This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America, the smart choice for ID implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant 18013-5, and surpasses AMVA guidelines. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AMVACAST, bringing news, information, and expertise to the AMVA community, now celebrating our 90th anniversary. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone. This week, we'll continue our conversation with recently retired Illinois Secretary of State Jesse White. You're going to hear right where we jumped off from last week. We're going to talk more about his passion projects in the Secretary of State's office. Enjoy. You, you've spent a lot of time on the organ donor program here in Illinois. So I, I, I did. Why? What was it? I mean, was it something that before you became Secretary of State you, you knew about? Or was it something when you came to the office, you, your eyes opened and said, we need to do more here? Before I was a Secretary of State, my brother was a pharmacist at the Lake Sadfia Hospital. Wasn't feeling well and was always complaining about a, a headache. And so my mother said, I'd like for you to take your brother to the hospital. He's got a headache, and it's more than just a regular headache. I said, okay, fine. I eventually took him. And then from there, we took him to the, we took him to the doctor's office. From the doctor's office, we took him to Loretta Hospital. Loretta Hospital said that he was suffering from an aneurysm. So we took him to the University of, of uh, Chicago Hospital, and they put him on life support right away. Mm. And then while he was on life support, a fellow by the name of Jack Lynch, who still works for Gift of Hope, asked me if by chance he happens to pass away, can we use his organs for transplantation purposes? I thought it was an experimental program. I said, no, don't bother me, don't bother us, leave us alone. And so he passed away that night. A few days later, we buried him. And I didn't think any more of that conversation until years later, my sister Doris, became ill, was in dire need of a kidney that was not a match within the family. So she put her name on the organ tissue donor list. And through the generosity of someone, she received a second chance at life. She lived an additional 28 years mm. because of the generosity of someone. Yeah. So we honored a, a doctor at Loyola Medical Center. She gave her patient her kidney. We added a teacher in New Lakes, Illinois. She gave her student her kidney. We added a pastor who gave an organ to one of his parishioners. Now, we have three, two gentlemen. One gentleman received three organs. The other gentleman who works in this office in the organ donor program has received five organs. Mm. Wow. Mr. Hanks. So when I came to this office, we would ask individuals to sign become a part of the organization donor program. Yep. If they say yes, they'd sign on the back of the driver's license, have two individuals, have another individual sign as, as, as a witness. So when that moment arrived, there would be smooth transition. But we decided that that was too cumbersome and that we should go to another order of business that we should let that one person sign up and let that one person's signature to indicate that they want their organs to be used for transportations, transportation to carry the day. Mm -hmm. That 
was great. 18 was the, was the age by which a person could sign up. So we introduced a bill in the Illinois General Assembly to not only allow for this wet signature to carry today, but later on allow young people, 16 to 17 year olds, when they got their license or their state ID, or whenever they want, they want to sign become a part of the organization donor program, they can do that. But the organs could not be used for transportation purposes without the consent of the parents until they reach age 18. Mm. We have 200, over 250,000 people, young people, who have signed become a part of this program. Mm. 7.4 million people in Illinois have signed up. So we're about the business of giving others a second chance at life or to help to improve their quality of life. And every day we work toward that end. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned the young people, encourage young people to sign up. It's supporting young people is another common theme in your career. Um, and one of the places, again, is in this motor vehicle space. I know it was. it's always been a high priority for you um, in terms of young driver safety and a lot of the key initiatives there. Yeah. Well, what we have, when I came to this office, young people were dying at a, unbelievable rate they get the license and they would uh, do t terrible things on the roads the roads were not safe so we came up with a new program by which we would require young people to spend parents to spend 50 hours behind the wheel of the, the car with their child 10 hours at night and they would use the three seasons the spring summer and winter months so that they can experience driving under adverse conditions. Right. And as that's turned out, there's been a lot of young, young people whose lives have been saved. And then when it came to DUI, we came with the bay device. You get a DUI mm -hmm. and you want to continue to drive, you would ask for this device to be placed in get your automobile. The so you blow into yep. it, if I call it, detected then the car won't start sure. and then periodically while you're driving uh you will blow back into it to make yeah. sure that you didn't stop off at a local watering hole to get some additional liquid appeasement right. so we've done a lot in terms of making our roads a lot safer and i'm really proud of it but one of the things that i'm really upset about i was a scoutmaster cub master explorer advisor and i spent it was a paratrooper guards for every service. And in those organizations, you spend a lot of time picking up paper, making sure the environment is clean and mm -hmm. wholesome. But you see people driving along the roadways and they roll the window down and they throw debris out their window. Sure. Uh, that's a violation of all laws of human decency as far as I'm concerned. That's a no-no. So there's a big fine for individuals about 15 and off half, you get caught, mm. and you can lose your license as well. You're throwing debris out your window. And then we have the senior citizens or the disabled people, where they get their disability placard. They are required to put it up when they're parking their car, take it down sure. when they're driving, and a big fine as well with the to violate the spirit of the law. Someone else tries to use it that's not supposed to use it. 
That's right. Yeah, that's right. So we we've done a lot in this office to establish sound, sane rules that we ask people to abide by. Yeah, to help make our roads safer, to keep them safe, to keep them out of harm's way. The same thing holds true with driving and texting. You know, mm -hmm. We've done a lot with that, and of course. If you have an accident and you're on the phone texting, well, then of course they can track back to see if what you were doing at the time of the accident, and they find out that you were on the phone. Then of course you become uh, the offender. Yeah. So all these reelections, record record wins, record number of voters. Um, seemingly, you could have gone on and on. You could have gone higher and higher. Um, I'm sure, you know, there's been times before where folks said, hey, Secretary White, how was, how would Governor White sound? But see, that's, you're the sharpest knife in the drawer. <laughs> <laughs> the brightest bulb in the building. Because that was the first thing that was asked by the press. Are you going to use this office to further your political ambitions? I said, no, I want to make this office my last stop in the mm. political arena but I also want to be a good servant. Not only do I want to take on the job, but I want to take on the responsibility that goes with it. I want to make a mark in this office. Yeah. And based on what has transpired thus far, I think we've arrived at that point. And there was a career. time in there where, I mean, in addition to your notoriety in Illinois, there was a time probably, I guess, in the middle of those six terms, there was some national attention and notoriety around election certifications and different activities where maybe, you know, there was, it was more than just being an Illinois figure for a well, period of time. I think our, the functions of the Secretary of State's office in Illinois is a little different from the functions of the yeah. Secretary of State in other parts of the, of the country. Like, for example, we just certify, you know, the, when the results come in, we just certify the results. We're not involved with the counting of ballots, right. etc. But there was a, there was a point where I, I remember a governor was trying to appoint a you know particular person to uh, to federal office, and you had to be involved in that process. And I'm not asking you to talk about that process, but what it felt like to have that national notoriety during that time, where it was it was a bigger stage than than mm -hmm. Illinois. Oh oh. Oh, yeah, I think you're probably talking about when uh, Roland Burris That's was right. asked yeah, to be yeah. certified or to uh, be He's advanced. Be appointed to fill the to, vacancy. To replace Barack the, Obama. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, I, I had reservations about it because I did not have a good working relationship with the, our the governor. Governor at the time, yes. Uh, I, this is the only governor, or probably the only person in government that I did not have a lot of respect for. I had problems with him with regard to my budget, and I had problems with him with regard to me certifying his appointment. Uh, I just didn't believe that I, sh I should have fixed my, my signature was required that I should do that. And I steadfastly refused yeah. to certify Roland Burris to be advanced to become our next senator. senator. So, so why, why now? Why is now the right time for retirement? When you know, as time I count, you've had, you've had at least six different careers. Yeah, you know, and why is it? Why is it time to at least leave from this chapter? It's time to close well, this I, Secretary I'm, of State's I'm, chapter. I'm a youthful, eighty-eight years old. 
and uh, I still want to do, there's a lot more for me to do. I've done a lot, but you know, I, I've been the coach and founder of the Jesse White Tillman team yep. for exactly 64 years. I've had over 18,500 young people to come through the program. At last count, only 15 have gotten themselves in trouble with the law. Wow. Still have to combat juvenile delinquency. No drinking, smoking, swearing, dropping out of school, or dislike anyone because of race, creed, or color. You have to be leafless, smokeless, and pipeless. The only time you can practice pharmacy is after you're wearing a white coat. So I also tell them to love their fellow man and woman. Do something good with someone every day. So we're proud of the fact that every year we send 20 of my 160 young people off to college. Mm. We also have a program by which we have, uh, we distribute 800 trucks to young people who have indicated that they have graduated from high school, they've been going, they're going on to college, going on to a four-year institution. I tell the parents, we'll take care of your child's school supplies. You take care of the scholarship. And so we're putting kids, not only the ones who are part of my program, mm -hmm. the Jesse White Tumba team, but the young people who are anywhere in the city of Chicago, whether you're pink, blue, green, or yellow, and you need a, a trunk load of yeah. school supplies, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the Jesse White Community Center. Jesse White Tumblers, Jesse White Foundation is the place to come to get those, those those items that you need in order to help you to become better educated, better informed. Yeah. So hopefully your retirement from this office will allow more time to, to go back and spend with the Tumblers and the foundation. As That's a part absolutely, of the absolutely correct. Yeah. Because this afternoon I'm going to be at a school called uh, Walter Payton. And it's going to be because there was a young man who was a student at a school, and at the school, he kept telling the administration that he was being bullied. And then, as it turned out, 23 additional people, students, had bullied him electronically, and he eventually hanged himself. Mm -hmm. And so, today, we're honoring this young man with a show at Walter Payton School where we're promoting this anti-bullying program. Mm. So we, we do a lot of lot for young people. That's like the other day, we distributed 500 jackets to young people in need of a coat for winter. Uh, we distributed 200 hams to needy families yesterday. So we're involved with a lot of programs that are, that are goodwill all designed to help this world to be a better place for the people who reside here. Yeah. You get it, you give it back, and you do something good for someone every day. That's how I run my life. So after all these years and the success and the state acknowledgement, you ever walk back into Wrigley Field down the other side and say, you could have had me? Yeah, well, I have to tell you about that. After I signed a contract to play baseball for the Cubs, four days before Waterbury training, as I indicated, I was drafted into the Army. After I got out of the service, I put my ball, bat, and glove in the closet. 
and I, I put, put, put my uniform in the closet. It got my ball bag glove and flew off to Mesa, Arizona for spring training with the Cubs. My first assignment was Carls, Carlsbad, New Mexico. And then I just moved up into the system to AAA. And uh, I ended up with a 291 batting average. I was known for stealing bases. And I thought I had all the tools that were necessary for me to be advanced to Wrigley Field. Mm-hmm. I'm playing with the Salt, for the Salt Lake City Bees as AAA. Mm-hmm. And most popular ball player, supposedly the most exciting ball player they had there years and ready to move up to the Cubs. A fellow by the name of Fred Martin, who's a pitching coach, came down to from Chicago to Salt Lake City to see me. And so I hit a home run that night at I think it's the only home run I, I hit for the season, but I <laughs> hit a single and that stretched into a double, hit a double, stretched into a triple. So the young lady from the newspaper said, I'd like to know if uh, I could interview you back. Because I heard that you do a lot of things back in Chicago that's over and above the norm. I said, okay, fine. I said, where? And she told me the restaurant. So I met her. And just like we have the microphones here, we had a microphone there. And while we were eating and talking, two of my ballplayer friends, one, uh, well, they, they looked at me, the other guy, I see the other fella, and he pointed at me. And I, I looked back at him and you know, they were doing like this, you know, hunching the show, you know, like, what is this all about? You eating with a, a white girl. They left. Fred Martin, pitching coach from the Cubs, he had come down to kind of like look at the ballplayers and make determinations of who was going to mm-hmm. go up and who was going to stay. He looked at me and he put his hands on his hips and he just kept staring at me. And then uh, he finally walked away. That night, he said, I'd like for you to come into my office, Jess, I want to talk with you. I said, what can I do for you, Fred? He said, I saw you today eating lunch with this white girl. I said, said, what's wrong with that? I said, he just said, well, you know, having lunch with a white girl. I said, well, she was a reporter and she was asking, interviewing me about some of my activities that I was involved with back in Chicago. And so he said, no, no, it's bullshit. You know, that was not what it was. That was your girlfriend. Mm. I said, well, Fred, you take it for whatever you want to take it for. Think whatever you want to think, but you're off base. And so I left. And so, uh, he indicated I was not going to go anywhere. I was going wow. to stay in the minors. The Cubs at that time was owned by Bill Wrigley. And then Tom Ricketts is a new owner of the Cubs. Yep. He heard the story. He said, let me make this right. So last year he had held at Wrigley Field, Jesse White Day at Wrigley Field, where he allowed, he asked for the tumblers to perform. He wanted me to throw the pitch, first pitch out, and they signed me to a contract. Oh. Now, let me tell you about a couple other stories that worked very good. Paul Casanova was a catcher for the Cubs. Yeah. From Cuba, Cuban fella, 
So during those days, black ball players had lived with black families. Sure. And the white ball players lived in a hotel. So we had to find our own restaurant. So we found a restaurant. We sat there for about 15 minutes. No menu, no water, no service. So I said to the young man, I said, man, how about a little service? He said, uh, we don't serve colored people here. Mm. I said, Paul, Lavata say, I mean, stand up. Vamanos, let's go. No service. And so he swore and hit the table with his hand. So as we were walking out the door, I'm talking, I realized that he's not behind me. He's not with me. I looked back and he was sitting down. They had a menu in his hand. I said, oh, he cut a deal, so let me go back and sit down. So I went back and I tried to sit down. And so I said, no, 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 we'll serve him, but we won't serve you. Wow. So here this guy is, two shades darker than me. Mm-hmm. Not a citizen. Can't speak English, but yet you serve him, a foreigner, rather than serve me, a citizen. I took issue with that. Yeah. And at that time, a veteran. That's exactly right. Had 35 jumps out of perfect airplanes yeah. on behalf of my, my, my country. Yeah. So, so that's one. Then the other time, I played for a guy, a fellow by the name of Phil Cavaretta. Phil Cavaretta is a famous ball player for the Chicago Cubs first baseman. He had the assignment to be the manager of the Lancaster Red Roses. That's the Eastern League. That's like B-ball. Oh, A-ball, A-ball sorry. So I got hurt. And so they sent me down to St. Cloud, Minnesota for me to heal. So I flew, flew from, mid, from Philadelphia to Minneapolis and I waited for this gentleman to pick me up from St. Cloud. 60 miles away. So I went across the street to a store, bought a suit, $300 suit, had it tailored, and put, they put it in a bag, and I had it over my shoulder. The guy showed up. They took me to St. Cloud. They said, well, the game is going to be in Duluth, Minnesota, so we have to hightail it up to Duluth. So we went up to Duluth. We met the, uh, met the ball players in the hotel. I went down, to my room. I went down to the restaurant, a couple blocks away. So I'm sitting there eating, and then two young men and two young ladies walked in. So one fellow was about six, six, looked like he weighed about 290 pounds. The other fellow was about six, two, and he weighed about 220 pounds. Then they had two nice looking young ladies with them. They sat across from me and I put a spoonful of food in my mouth. The smaller young man jumped up and the big fellow said, no, 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 Frank, sit down. Take it easy. He said, I want to talk with this guy. Well, I didn't know this fellow from Adam. Then put another spoonful of food in my mouth. He jumped up again and the guy wrestled him down. So I asked the waitress to give me my check. 
I'm halfway through my food. She gave me the check. I paid it, left the money there, left her a tip. And as I, I looked out the window, there were six of my ballplayer friends, my teammates outside. And as I'm walking, I could see a reflection of him through, went through the door, window, walking behind me. So I walked out, hey, Frank, hi, Joe, hi, Sam. And I'm shaking hands and hugging those guys. So this fellow came up to me from the back and tapped me on my shoulder. I turned around and I said, sir, you don't know me and I don't know you. I said, I was trying to eat, you wouldn't let me eat. I'm out here with my ballplayer friends. We're with the Chicago co-organization. Game was called off tonight because of inclement weather. I said, so why don't you just go back inside and finish eating your supper with that beautiful young lady you have with you. And he just kept looked at me with fire in his eyes. I said, sir, I don't know you. I'm a ball player. I'm not looking for any trouble. Mm -hmm. Then why don't you just go back inside and enjoy your supper with that beautiful young lady? He said, okay. I said, Phew. He threw me down for the back and knocked the knees out of my, my suit. And he was choking me. And somehow, with my military strength, I turned him over a little bit and uh, started pounding on him. This guy's probably. 100 pounds heavier than me, bigger than me, and he was taller than me. But I had pretty good strength, so I'm, and I was really upset because I don't bother anyone, and I just don't want anyone to bother me. And I pleaded with him to leave me alone, and he just insisted upon this confrontation. The big guy comes out. And I said, no, I don't want to tangle with him, but I got to take care of this guy right here. By that time, 50 people had surrounded sure. us. And so one white lady said, this black guy beat this white guy up for no reason. And so then my ballplayer friends chimed in, no, 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 no. He wasn't bothering him. He told him to leave him alone and asked him to go back inside and finish eating supper with his girlfriend or this young lady he was mm -hmm. with. And he insisted about throwing him down. And what he did was he had to do what he had to do. He, he kicked, his, kicked yeah. his back yeah. with the A word. <laughs> And so the police arrived and uh, so I said, this black guy started, he, you know, my guy's in champion. No, 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 it didn't happen. So the young man said, I'd like to shake your hand. And I looked at him, my eyes were about six inches out from my head. You want to shake my hand mm -hmm. after all that we've gone through? He said, sir, I'd like to shake your hand. I said, I'm really sorry about what happened. And I could see in his eyes that he had some remorse. So we shook hands and we embraced. And then I went upstairs to take a shower, manage my knees, change my clothes. And while I was getting out of the shower, I heard this banging on my door. And they were my six ballplayer friends. They said, you won't believe what happened. He said, guy who you had just had a fight with, I said, what about him? He put his fist through the Greyhound station window. And the glass was about this thick, about an inch thick. So I put my clothes on, I went over there, and I saw this gruesome scene. And even today, I have remorse. I, I have love in my heart for the young man. I just want nothing but the best for him. To let you know that I'm not a mean-spirited person, 
I just see good in yeah. most people. And even today, I wish I could see him and, and I just wish that his quality of life was where it should be. Sure. Oh, so, so then while he was shaking my hand and I asked him why, he said, my girlfriend kept complimenting you on the way you tied your tie and the clothes the that you were wearing, the that suit that I was tailored. wearing. Yeah, and so he just couldn't live with himself with he a white fella and his white girlfriend and his, and his white girlfriend and she's complimenting yeah. the black guy. Hmm. So he took issue with that. So you 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 lived through those things intimately through segregation, through the civil rights movement, um, elected and reelected in a diverse community. As you sit back and look at the state of our nation in terms of the, the cultural moment we're in, racial relations, you know, what, what's someone that's lived through what you've seen, your perspective in terms of where, where we are and the work we still have to do? Well, when I look at the 18,500 young people who have been a part of the Jesse White Tumblr team mm -hmm. and, the th and the thousands of kids who make up my drum corps. And then I've had a track team, I've had a wrestling program, I had a ski, bunch of kids I used to go skiing with, a bunch of kids I used to take ice skating. So when I look at those young people, I know that that future is bright. But when I look at the other part of society, where I see people not having love in their hearts for that fellow man and woman. Uh, I, it's a darker side of, yeah. of the thought process. Is it but going I, but, backwards? But, is it one step back, two steps forward? Sure, but, but I, I teach my kids that they have to be in school on time every day, and they have to have one aim in mind, that's to get the best education possible. Mm -hmm. They have to be leafless, smokeless, and pipeless the only time they can practice pharmacies after they've earned a white coat. And then they cannot dislike their fellow man and woman because of race, creed, or color. I say that when there's a mission before you or a job that is before you, you see it from its beginning to its conclusion. A quitter never wins and a, a quitter never wins and a, a winner never quits. And so, they would tell you, I'd rather be in trouble with the police than to be in trouble with Mr. White. If, if they say that to you, then you know the rest of the story. Yeah. Well, a winner may never quit, but I think I know one winner who knows when maybe it's time to slow down and rest. And that's well, what I think, maybe I, I, what, what I, you're doing. I'm going to continue to work. By matter of fact, today I'm going to be at uh, Walter Payton School yeah. with my. So there is no team. slowing down for you. It's just it's, changing activities. Yeah. Well, it's a program dealing with bullying yeah. and so we want our young people to live a long and productive life and that will not occur if we as adults just sit back and let things happen around us and not get involved with bringing about a resolution well i probably have about another hour's worth of questions but i don't want to overstay my welcome i know you're on a you're on a busy schedule yeah sure the other thing too and that is as a head librarian for the state of illinois we uh came with a program called Toby Tire. We had a fellow within the Secretary of State's office who came up with an idea of building this robot in the form of a tire. 
and they had eyes in the mouth and the nose in the tire and it would roll into the gymnasium mm. and the kids would be awed by this device. And I would ask Toby, I said, is that nice to be here at the Shill Elementary School? He said, yes, Mr. White, this is a wonderful uh, educational establishment because I don't, well, where I know for a fact that teaching is taking place and learning is in the equation. I said, well, Toby, what time should the kids arrive at the school bus loading zone? Well, Mr. White, uh, they cannot be late on arriving at the school bus loading zone. They have to be there about 10 minutes before the arrival of the bus. I said, well, what, where should they stand? Be so two steps away from the, the curb. And once the bus arrived, what should they do? Well, the bus has to come to a complete stop and you wait for the door to open, then you go up the stairs one step at a time and you assume your seat. And so what should, should, what should you be talking in a loud voice or should you be talking in a soft voice? He said, well, while you're riding on the bus, you should be talking in your inner voice because the bus driver may have an emergency and may want to address uh, the students. So we want to make sure that we can hear every word that he will say. Well, now we've arrived at our destination. How should they get off the bus? Well, Mr. White, they should get off the bus the same way they got on, one step at a time, holding on to the handrail and get at least three steps away from the bus. After all the students have gotten off the bus, uh, how should they cross the street? Well, they should, if they want to cross the street, they should wait for the Look at the eyes of the bus driver. But first of all, they should walk up to the arm of the bus and look at the bus driver. When the bus driver indicates to them that it's clear for them to cross the street, then they may proceed. Well, what about the going around the back of the bus? At no point in time should they ever go around the back of the bus because in Texas, there was a teacher who was in the back of the bus trying to direct traffic, direct telling kids where to go and what to do. And the bus backed over her and killed her. So never, ever stand behind the bus. Yeah. And so as a result of this program, we've been able to save a lot of kids. It's all about saving kids and saving lives. That's whether it's the, the, the tumblers, the youth drivers, the organ donation, on and on. I think that's, that's probably the Jesse White legacy, saving yeah. kids. We, we want our kids to live a longer productive life. Yeah. We want them to become a positive force in society. And as I said before, when you get it, you give it back and you do something good for someone every day. Yeah. That's how I wrote my life. Well, thank you, Mr. Secretary. And congratulations on, I'm not even gonna call it retirement. I'm just gonna call it the, you know, chapter 19 or whatever it is that you're about about to be up to thank in you. this next phase. Well, in my neighbor, they say you the man. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, that wraps that up. He's really a remarkable man, and I'm so thankful and fortunate I was able to go out, meet with him, hear his stories. I hope you enjoyed it, too. Thank you to Jesse White for spending time with us. Thanks again to Henry Hopp for making it all possible, and I hope you all enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you back here next week. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast. Hosted by Ian Grossman. Produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America.
visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.